Conversation with Tim Elmore. I am your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. And Tim, it's the first week of February, and we are celebrating and emphasizing Black History Month. Um, It's an important moment uh, for us to really spend time talking about history, but also time talking about one of the most important life skills, which is all about appreciating diversity in the world around us. Absolutely. Well, 2020 was a big reminder of the need for inclusivity, to be inclusive of people unlike us, all races, and all, you know, genders, race, you know, whatever age, we we talk about generational diversity. Yeah. But um, you're so right. I don't know if there's been a time in my lifetime where this has been more important. So I remember way, way back in the day as a student, I assumed wrongly that Black History Month was for a minority. Oh, this is nice. We're paying attention to the subject for uh, an Asian, African-American, whatever. It was really for me. Yes. Because by the time that month was over, I had learned way more stuff I needed to learn. So listeners, I don't know who you are, where you are, but this is good for us to just pay attention, double-click on this subject consciously today. Absolutely. Well, what I'm excited about we're going to do here on the podcast today is actually hear for some people who are going to give us advice yeah. Yeah. about how do we lead students well in this month, this really important month where we're talking about all these subjects. But in particular, uh, the life skill that we're developing, it's actually a principle of social and emotional learning. Yep. So those uh, out there who are students of SEL, it's called appreciating diversity. That's the sub-competency. Yeah. And uh, it's really all about recognize. It's about perspective, ultimately. Yeah. It's about recognizing the value in the person sitting across from me and recognizing that their differences actually make the two of us together together better rather than worse. And I think we have a natural human tendency to see uh, the person different from us as other. And that principle teaches students that it's not other, it's us, you know, and that's really what this is all about. So what we wanted to do is actually, before we get to this really great advice is actually get super practical and give you guys a few of our habitudes that cover this all important topic of appreciating diversity. So Tim, do you want to jump in and give them a few habitudes that that they can utilize? Yeah, let's volley back and forth. I'll do the first one. You do the second one. Okay. Uh, So the first image that we think sparks great conversation about diversity and inclusion is one called a bridge, not a wall. So this is a metaphor. Yeah. Um, And our thought here is um, when you meet someone that is unlike you, you can either build a bridge to them or a wall against them. Yeah. And our innate nature for, for our brains, this is how our brains are hardwired, is th- to like those who are like you, Yep. to lean into those where it's easier to have a relationship, because yep. we all, we're all alike. You know? yeah. Research out of the University of Texas shows this. So um, if you know anything about engineering, listeners, you know it is much more difficult to build a bridge than a wall. Um, and yet, so we do the easier thing. And I'm yes. saying do the work to build a bridge down a wall. I love it. The second one we would suggest, oh, by the way, that one is in Habitudes for Social Emotional Learning Course 3. It's also in Habitudes for the Journey, for yep. those who are familiar with those courses. Yeah. The second one is called Chess and Checkers. Yeah. Uh, you've probably played the two games of Chess and Checkers. If you open the two boxes of a game of chess and a game of checkers, you would recognize while the game board looks very similar, the pieces look very different, right? In the game of of checkers, the pieces all look the same and they move the same. The game of chess, the pieces are different. 
And in the game of chess, what's interesting is you only succeed by understanding the strengths of yeah. each piece, yeah. how each one moves, uh, the advantages and disadvantages of that piece. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, this is a really important leadership principle as well as a life principle. Yeah. In life and leadership, we tend, we, we can, if we don't really think about it, tend to treat people like a game of checkers. We treat them all the same, expecting the same results. But actually, I think great leadership, great uh, interaction with people teaches us that we actually need to treat people more like chess pieces, right? Everybody's different. Everybody has different strengths that they bring to the table. And it's only in recognizing the differences between us that we have the best chance of, uh, of thriving and succeeding. No doubt about it. Love that one. Yeah. So <laughs> that, that one's in a couple of courses. Uh, Habitudes for Connecting with Others, um, Habitudes for Social Emotional Learning, Course 3, and then Habitudes for Building Student Leaders, those courses. Good. The third image is called Culture and Customs culture and customs. So I'm not sure if you've ever flown or driven to another country, uh, but I've loved visiting about 50 different countries in my lifetime. Um, When I get to another place, another place geographically, I just automatically know I'm going to have to work harder at this relationship because in France or China or wherever I am, they're going to have different customs, different ways of going about life, different values, different language sometimes. Yeah. And I'm suggesting this is so important for us to remember I may have to to do the work necessary with a person from another generation. Yeah. If I'm 50 and they're 20. Yeah. With another person ethnically, another person gender, I just need to psych myself up. I'm going to have to put in the work. Yeah. If we don't do that, we may be lazy socially. Yep. And I think I can get lazy socially and just go, I'm just going to do the easy thing. Yep. And not put in the work. So culture and customs. Absolutely. That one can be found in Life-Giving Leaders, a great course. Uh, SEL Course 3, there's a common denominator here. SEL Course 3 is where we really dig into this subject. And then Habitudes for Building Student Leaders uh, is also in there. Uh, The fourth one we would suggest is Stethoscopes and Treatments. I love this one. Imagine going to the doctor, and before the doctor even asks you any questions, (laughs) they hand you a bottle of pills and say, this will cure what ails you, right? right. Well, you, you would think that was completely ridiculous, and yet this is often what we do with people, right? Right? Yeah. We offer a prescription on what we think they need to do or how we need to interact with them without first taking a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And so really great leaders uh, use the stethoscope and they listen mm-hmm. to that person's heart, yeah. to what's going on in the inside before they offer any treatment, any uh, advice, any of those things. This one's ultimately about empathy as a part of diversity, right? Am I thinking about the other person and listening to what's going on inside of them before I'm seeking to offer advice or explanation or any of those things? So that's a really great one. That one can be found in Habitudes for Life-Giving Leaders, SEL Course 3, and Building Student Leaders as well. So last one. Last one is soloists and symphonies. My guess is you have heard lots of people sing or play an instrument over your lifetime. Uh, I love solos and symphonies, but um, there's quite a big difference if you're uh, listening to a soloist, it's just one voice, and they can rift or, you know, whatever, vibrato, wherever they want to. It's, it's just, it's entertaining, but it's one single voice. There is work involved with the symphony because it's multiple instruments harmonizing with each other. Uh, Andrew, this comes from Habitudes for Career-Ready Students. We're just saying to get ready for life, you better get ready to play a role in something bigger than yourself, and, the, and if I'm playing a trombone or whatever, I better know what the violins are doing and the cellos are doing and, and the percussion's doing and so forth. So we just say symphonies are almost always better and more impressive than, than soloists. Absolutely. I love that one so much because the symphony can create a sound that even the best mm-hmm. soloists in the world can't create. 
And that's such a great reminder about diversity and inclusion. If we yeah. work together, we could create something that we would never have been able to create on yeah. our own. So those are just a few habitudes, a few metaphors you could put in your pocket for this month to have great conversations. Some of you might have access to habitudes, and you can jump on habitudes online and get those. Others of you may just want to use this as a conversation starter. That's okay, too. But we invite you to, to utilize those uh, as a part of your uh, conversations during this all-important month. Well, I want to transition now to a conversation that you had uh, with a couple of amazing leaders on this very subject and really asking the question of how do we have great conversations around diversity, around inclusion uh, with, with our students. So let's jump into that conversation now. Welcome, listeners. Um, I am getting the undeserved privilege of sitting down with three people that I've gotten to know over the years. Um, Natri Jones, who's been an educator for quite a while. Uh, Lawrence Henderson, who serves on our board, and then Sterling Brown, who has been in athletics and is one of our speakers as well. Uh, but thank you all for joining uh, us today in this conversation, particularly uh, as it relates to Black History Month. That's the month we're in right now. So, Nautry, can I begin with you? I'd love you to just kick us off by answering the question, what does appreciating diversity mean to you personally? Yeah. Um, and so when I think about appreciating diversity, I think the first thing that's most important and top of mind is just defining that. What does it mean to appreciate an individual? Um, and then what does diversity even mean? Um, and I think if I were giving examples of that, actually what I think about is like people from different backgrounds, different socioeconomic statuses, uh, ethnic backgrounds, uh, gender identity, sexual orientation, who are all those people and what does it mean to be willing to learn from um, and learn about those folks and make them feel seen, heard and valued every time they enter a space. Good, I love that, great. Lawrence, how about you? Talk to us. Yeah, uh, what I, I love what Naughtry just said because it tells me appreciating diversity is, it's 3D, it's in color. Uh, it has layers, uh, like, you know, the ogre. Uh, it's it's one of those things that we should come to the table ready to peel back what it means to feel seen, feel heard, and, and hold space to let the person across the table or in the room feel valued. Um, and I really believe that's what it means in a nutshell. Good, thanks. Sterling, you want to jump in? For sure. So uh, I would just say, a couple of things. Um, maybe it's cliche, but I think about like teams, right? Um, a football team, which was kind of my background, isn't made up of all quarterbacks, isn't made up of just kickers, right? For teams to be successful, they have to have different players playing different positions, serving different roles. Some may not even get playing time. There's coaches, there's assistants, right? All that goes into making a team successful. And to me, that that's kind of a uh, like I said, maybe it's cliche, but it's kind of a picture of diversity, right? People with different strengths, gifts, cultures, coming from different backgrounds, just like Nautry said, uh, and the recognition of that uh, coming from someone who grew up in a diverse home, right? In the 70s in New York, uh, New Jersey, uh, in a mixed race home, I had to, uh, I didn't have the privilege of having to answer this question. What does appreciating diversity mean to you? Right. It was, it was thrust upon me uh, and my family. And, uh, and so one of the things I also have learned over the years is that uh, we've thrown out the term colorblind uh, over the years. And I think to Lawrence's point, it's, it's uh, to me, colorblindness is a defect. In fact, that's a recessive gene 
that is common most to white males. So uh, interestingly enough, but, uh, but if I am colorblind, then I can't actually appreciate and recognize and distinguish uh, one from the other, red from brown or green or whatnot. And so to me, this idea of appreciating diversity, it's like it's taking off the colorblindness and putting on like lenses that allow me to really recognize uh, that people are different. And that yeah. with that difference is inherent value, strengths, perspective, right? Input, things that could positively affect my life, maybe our community or our culture. But it starts with that recognition. I, I think kind of that change in the uh, brain and in the eyes, so to speak, uh, to, to help us recognize that difference. Sterling, I will never forget the story you told me. Um, you were talking about years ago, you were in a caravan of family members, many cars, and the other drivers were Caucasian and you were African-American and you were the one that got pulled over and you hadn't done anything different, anything wrong, but you just said, this is the world I live in. Um, I don't know if you want to volley back on that, but uh, it just struck me. That's never happened to me. Well, I've gotten pulled over because I've been speeding, but that's a whole other issue. Yeah. yeah so for sure. It was, uh, it, we were in Colorado with our family. My wife is Caucasian, all of our extended family, her sisters, their husbands and kids, going camping. And I was the last car in a caravan of just our family members and uh, all going the same speed limit. I got pulled over as the driver and it was one of those things. And, and I will say that um, it's been one of those experiences that's been with me uh, throughout my life. In fact, don't really have time to unpack it here, but, but I know just my wife and I starting our relationship, right? There was, there was family elements that weren't su necessarily supportive of that relationship specifically because of the issue of race. And so again, like growing up thrust upon you, you have to figure out how to deal with that. And so to me, um, uh, it, it's been amazing to see how people can change, how perspectives can change, right? And how it takes individual effort, it takes communities, it takes families coming together, other people. But that was one of those that was like, yeah, this is not new, right, uh, for me, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, this kind of leads me into the next question I wanted to ask all of you, and I'd love all of you to weigh in. We don't have to go in any order, but but Natri, maybe I go back to you to lead off on this one. So um, I became more aware last year, the year 2020, of the um, white privilege that I've enjoyed that I wasn't even aware of, you know, but I was made to think about this this last year, and it was really good for me. Um, I want you to talk about what would you recommend for people like me um, doing or saying? What would you recommend? And then what what would you discourage just because we just are blind to what's maybe right or wrong or inappropriate to say? Do you mind falling back on that? Yeah. Um, so I think three things um, for you um, and others, right? Because I think what we're talking about at this point is what I would consider identity development. Yeah. Um, and so I think there are three things that are most important. And I, I would say um, learn a lot, right? Um, I think the beauty of 2020, 21, 2021, where, whatever year we are in today, is that there is so much information out there. And so we actually don't get to claim ignorance. We don't get to claim that. There are thought leaders on Twitter that publishing companies are changing the way they're doing things and shifting and making different commitments. So there's, I would say, learn a lot. Um, 
I'd say, listen, listen, when people, when people are telling you this is their experience, because of where you sit, you actually don't get to tell me that I'm experiencing what I'm experiencing and you don't get to determine what racism is. You don't get to determine what um, microaggressive acts may have that, that I may have experienced. You don't, you, you actually don't get to weigh in on that because our country was built right in a lot of ways um, to hold Tim, you and people like you up and to hold people who look like me um, down. Right. It, it just, it just is. Um, and so I'd say, listen, um, and then I'd say speak. And when I mean, when I, what I mean when I say that is, I mean, speak to people who look like you, um, speak to people who, who you go to church with, speak to people that you work with, um, look at who's in the room and ask questions about who's not there and be open to listening to that, to the responses that you get. I think, those are probably um, the three like pieces that I would offer. Um, and I would say what you should not do is don't make assumptions. I think the beautiful thing about what both Lawrence and Sterling shared is like, even if I went with Sterling's analogy, right? In sports and in other experiences, it's, it's a beauty to know like you are a quarterback, right? I, and you can come in there and you can probably say, I am a quarterback. Yeah, I am a tight end. I am a, you can name it. I am different. I am not your quarterback. In society, what we say is, we're the same. We're, we're just the same. Like, stop talking about all of this difference. We're the same. Just love. Like, we're going to love our way out of this. And if love was the anecdote, I promise you, Black and, and Black um, indigenous people of color have more to give and have given to this country and to its people. Um, so we clearly know that that's not the way. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so um, I would say, don't make assumptions. Yeah. And 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 yeah, those those would be my tidbits. Well, I love it. One, you are very tangible. Thank you for that. But I love the fact that you brought in love. We are wanting to raise a generation who leads with love. I think that's not weird or strange or and I don't mean anything weird by that, but just loving people. Uh, we like the adjective life-giving leaders. Wouldn't it be great to see 30 million life-giving leaders come from the students that we're teaching today? Um, Sterling, uh, well, no, let me let me go back to Lawrence first, and then I'm going to get to you, Sterling. Lawrence, you're on our board. You're about this mission. And I want you to borrow from your experience, not only in business, but the military. You've seen, how would you answer that question? What would you recommend a white officer or you know what I'm saying. Let me, I'll just stop talking. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, and, and and again, I love that that Nostri is teeing this up, uh, particularly in the area of learn. And one of the things that I'm actually flushing out as a, as a PhD candidate now in organizational leadership is the idea of individuals understanding their own capacity to actually be a part of these conversations. And a lot of the anxiety that I'm seeing from executives, from leaders, from educators is they're identifying that diversity, equity, and inclusion is actually a mid-level skill to actually have that conversation well. And what they've identified is they actually don't have the capacity to. And so I tell them how I, how I uh, de-weaponize, if, if I create a word, is we, it's been the DEI space, it feels uncomfortable. It feels unsafe for people who 
are, haven't been marginalized. And so they look right. The, yeah, the conundrum of that, right, is in these conversations, they go to defensing, they go to, oh, it's all love. But it's no. Identify your capacity and then identify, I would say, be willing to identify the first step you're willing to take to do this work well. And if that is listening, then listen well. Get more curious than confrontational. Don't try to volley back when something feels uneasy. Just be able to seek to understand where that's coming from from you first, then actually have others help you figure out where that emotion is coming from. The observed and er behavior and urge you want to like, do you want to be dismissive of someone else's story? Like those are urges and things that come up during these topics of diversity. So I would say, if you're going to learn, learn about you first. When you hear it, why does unconscious bias get you anxious? Right. Unconscious bias was a thing before it got weaponized in the 2016 election election. And so now today, that's just not a DEI conversation. And so learn that. But what I would discourage is just I'm going to just hold the platform for those being marginalized. So you could say you can continue to have these kind of no, we've been having these conversations. We wake up like this. Um, and so we've been having them. Now it's for us to engage in meaningful dialogue so that we can now build allies that actually in, in turn into advocacy. And that way we can begin to have these human exchanges, but it all starts with understanding individual capacity. Sterling, jump in on this question. What would you say? For sure. Yeah. Um, similar to Notri, I had I had three and then I actually added a fourth, but it's the same idea. It started with asking questions. Educate yourself, right? Ignorance is not an option anymore with as much that is available. So whether it's reading books or watching movies, Netflix, uh, any show, like you just go to any media outlet and there's going to be people and outlets talking about this issue in some kind of way. So, so I think just starts with educating yourself in that kind of way. Uh, secondly is ask questions. So, so second to that is ask questions, but not just asking random questions uh, because I think it's important to, to listen, but listen with humility, right? There's a difference between just listening like I heard you and listening that says, I hear you. And, and so when I say listen with humility, I, I can't help but think of the Colin Kaepernick fiasco, right? That's an embarrassment on professional sports in America. And I'm so glad that Drew Brees uh, thought to make his own comment this past year, right, about the flag and kneeling. Because uh, in, the, in the heightened volatility of where we were in that moment in the summer, it, it gave a whole new voice really to everyone to say, hey, by the way, Colin Kaepernick and anyone else at this point was never talking about the flag or the military, right? That was not the conversation. And so to me, the only way we get to making assumptions about the flag and the military is, yeah, we might be listening but we're listening with that bias that Lawrence was talking about. We're listening through the lens of our own assumptions rather than listen to with humility that says, Hey, where are you? How are you doing? Like, how does this affect you? And so I think that's an important component. It's, it's that desire to seek first to understand than to be understood. 
that leads to another one that's just make time, right? I believe it's hard to hate up close. And so what could, could someone like you or really anyone who's different than someone else do? It's make time. If, if I promise, if we're willing to spend time with someone who doesn't look like me, that could be a Indian American, an Indonesian, that could be a, a Muslim from the Middle East, right? Uh, I don't know. But whoever that is, if, if we are willing to make time, ask questions, listen with humility, we're going to start to build some, some uh, common connections. We'll start to recognize people as, as just that, as valuable people, humans worthy of dignity and respect uh, because we're willing to make that kind of time. Because to me, love is always relevant. And even for those that are a little concerned, hey, how do I start this conversation? If we're going to do those first couple of things, that will go a long way to helping yeah. that conversation. And one other thing that I would say to do is to speak up. Yes, to speak. Notri is right on, but also speak up. Uh, and I'll give you a quick example. I was in a in a meeting and I was actually presenting, and someone I was presenting with just you could tell kind of was used to making jokes or comments, and, and really let a joke go that that I would say was straight up racist, <laughs> right? Wow. And in the middle of whatever we were doing, I stopped and was like, whoa, we're not doing that. We're never going to say that again. Had a conversation with the person after the fact, we came back and I challenged them to get in front of that group and apologize, <laughs> right? But what that did is it helped that person understand, whoa, you mean that came across that way? Mm-hmm. And it also, it was like the entire room changed because it gave permission to everyone. Hey, yeah, you're going to make mistakes, but this is how you own it, right? This is how you follow up. And so to me, I think when, if we're willing to speak up, be leaders that, that are going to put ourselves out there and speak up, I think that's going to go a long way. And then one final thing I would say to avoid is just, um, I, I agree with all of those. I would just add one more thought. It's like avoid that representative, representative association. Like, Hey, Lawrence, what do black people feel about this? <laughs> right. As if that individual is somehow going to be the spokesperson for all people yeah, yeah. that look like him. But uh, other than that, I think uh, I think this is, is good. Can all I, good can answers. Happen one quick second, because sure. something Sterling said really made me think I was reading this book. Um by an author, her name is Austin Channing Brown, and she talks about proximity, which is what uh, Sterling was talking about, like the power of relationships and what that means. And I think two things can be true, right? (laughs) Um, And I think actually, yes, get to know folks. Um, And I think self-awareness is key, right? Do you care about police brutality because you happen to have a Black friend? Cool, yes. And also you should care about it, whether you know somebody or not, right? (laughs) So it's just like, how to, so that you're not, I think what, what we can't do, uh, which I I think sort of gets to what Sterling was also just saying is like, I have this black friend, or I know that this person that I know and happen to care about cares about this issue. And so like, I'm always asking them questions. And I think that's a part of it. Mm -hmm. And I think part of appreciating diversity, um, understanding other people's perspectives is being, Austin Channing Brown says it way better than I could, being a good human to other human beings. Yeah. Yeah. Whether I know you, I don't have to be 
You know what I mean? Like, I don't have to know the person. I'll use a completely different example. I don't have to know the person who's in a car accident down the road to, to say a prayer yeah. and to say, my gosh, I hope they're okay. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness, that's that that is the level of love that I want teachers leading with, business leaders leading with. Like I care about you, I care about your experience. You are worthy of existence just because you are another human who walks the face of this earth, regardless of your zip code, profession, yeah. or aspirations. Yeah, I think you're spot on. So let me keep you. Can um, I say one thing not, to that, Tim, real oh, quick? Sure. Yes. Uh I, I would just say do what you can. Mother Teresa said do for the one what you wish you could do for the many. She wanted to feed all the orphans in Calcutta, all all of those kids. But she said, hey, I I can do this right here. And I remember this summer, I I thought, hey, I've got got a kid who's got a potentially high-risk COVID situation. I don't know that I can go out marching with thousands of people. But what I can do is use my influence. I've got police chief's numbers, police chief numbers in my phone. I can reach out to them. I can help be a part of community conversations that that are going to roll our sleeves up and talk about how are we making an impact in our local community. Yes, we want to see big change and we'll speak up for that. But what I I said, what can I do is I can reach out to those that are within my sphere of influence and we can start putting our heads together with a group of people here in our community to see how can we affect change. Because to me, I just said, Hey, I, I would do for the one what I wish I could do for everyone. And so what I can do, excuse me, right here, right now is this. So I would just say, do what you can as well. Sterling, thank you. We're going to need to sign off, but I'm so grateful for this conversation. And may it be, uh, may it be a, a chronic conversation that just goes on and on and on. Uh, Natri, thank you for weighing in on the chat column again. You said this is ongoing and it's messy, but we've got to do it. We've got to do it. And this is hopefully a beginning for more and more of us. So thank you all for being a part of this conversation. I'm grateful. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us uh, on this all-important conversation. Uh, We really hope that you've gotten some great advice and you can begin having meaningful conversations around diversity and inclusion during Black History Month. Well, we've talked a lot about habitudes at the beginning of our podcast. If uh, having these conversations is really important to you and you're interested in grabbing a few habitudes that can help you have that conversation, we invite you to check out Habitudes for Social-Emotional Learning. Uh, As I mentioned, Course 3 is where we dig really, really deep into uh, appreciating diversity as a skill that each one of our students needs to have. So head on over to growingleaders.com slash SEL, and you can even try out a free sample of Habitudes, see how it works, and begin having some of those conversations utilizing images and metaphors with your students. Well, uh, as always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars. That gets the word out about what we're doing. If you found this conversation helpful, I invite you to pass this along to somebody. Share this link with somebody that you know who you think may benefit from it. Uh, connect with us on social media. We'd love to connect with you. We're at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore pretty much everywhere you are. And lastly, but certainly not least, if you have ideas for this podcast, uh, topics you want us to cover, people you want us to interview, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. Thank you guys so much for listening today and engaging with us, and we'll see you next time.